Father, we thank you for who you are in, in your very nature, Lord. We thank you that you are our good and you're holy and you're righteous, that you're abounding, Lord, in your steadfast love. We, we thank you, Lord, for just your, your, your very nature, very character, and we thank you that that does not change. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, that your faithfulness doesn't change, that the same way you've displayed your character in creation, the same way you displayed your character in our salvation, the same way that you displayed character in, in Christ and his work, and, and then the appropriation of that to us individually, Lord, that has not changed. And you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And so we thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, that you've shown your faithfulness, your goodness, and your loving kindness, Lord, by, by, by saving us and bringing us into your people, the church. And Father, we thank you that you've given us what we need. <coughs> for life and for godliness and for the conduct in your church. And so, Father, we pray that you make us wise as we discuss these issues where we have gen- genuine disagreements with, with fellow brothers and sisters, but that we think through things as, as your word is revealed, Lord, for your glory and for our good as we conduct matters in your church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we've been talking about the church. And typically, when you, when you talk about the church and the doctrine of the church, that most discussions, at least theological discussions, tend to end up with my fan- funny little pictures here, which maybe it doesn't think about the pictures, but the idea of, well, what does the church look like and what does the government and the church look like? How should the church look like in, in, in being run? Um, and that's, that's where most of the discussion usually jumps to. That's where most of the disagreements occur um, <coughs> between Christians. Um, in fact, even if, as you go to the membership class, that tends to be what's emphasized. As you come to our membership class, it's a, here's what we believe, you know, of, of the different, you know, types of church and styles of church and, and, and types of polity or governance of a church. This is what OEFC believes. And, and that's not a wrong thing to say, here's what we believe, but more important is, is the why, right? Is the, what are the principles why is it? Is it just we believe that because we got to pick one, and you, I mean you got to pick something, right? Or is it because there's principles, there's biblical principles that God has revealed in His Word that undergird why we do church in a certain way? And that's been our whole discussion since January. We've been covering this topic since January, and, and so what I want to do is before jumping into this discussing the, the differences and the variations amongst, um, amongst Christian churches. Let's, let's review the biblical principles that we've been covering. So instead of jumping into this right away, what I want to do is I just want to just look at all those biblical principles. What has God revealed about the nature of the church, the people of the church, the authority of the church, or the responsibility of the church? Then when you understand those, it, it tends to flush out the, the practical nature of why, why we do what we do. Does that make sense? And that, that was my strategy all along, is to do this last instead of doing this first, which is, which is the, really the common way of doing it. You open a systematic theology textbook, and you jump right into this, right? Because that's what the disagreements are on. And, instead of really trying to say, well, what, what are the principles we want to build from? And then using those principles, how do we evaluate um, what, what the structure of the church would be? And so let's evaluate the, let's, let's go through the principles that we looked at again. So just a review of the last nine months that we've been covering this doctrine uh, off and on. So first of all, we looked at the aspect that the church is a people, not a place, right? The, the church is a people, not a place. The church is not, a, is not an organization. It, it, it's, a, it's an assembled group of people. 
it's not just any group of people we looked at as well. It, it, it's, it's a gospel people. It's a regenerate people, right? And it's not just any regenerate people, right? That it's an, actually a regenerate people that is assembled together. And, and this assembly is marked out by the gospel. They are, it's marked out by the right, we looked at the marks of a true church. It's marked out by the right gospel preaching. It's marked out by the ordinances of really what divides the church from the world, right? Baptism brings someone into, is, is a sign of bringing someone into the people of God. And then that, that is maintained is a continual uh, renewed, renewing sign of the Lord's Supper that marks out the church from the world, right? So that is, but it's, the idea is the church is not a, a organization. The church is not a, a, a business. The church is a people. It's an assembled people, right? Then we looked at saying, well, what is, it that, that, what is it about these people, right? And so we looked at more of the nature of the church is that this assembly is, is not just um, uh, an unordered assembly, but it's really this idea of where it makes the invisible universal church become visible, right? We're all, every Christian is part of the universal church. It's part of the, the you could say big C church, but the problem is, is that, that the, uh, you know, theologians, the one I, I read at first was John Stott, was right in saying that when you talk about every Christian, which we'd have to say every Christian here and in heaven is described as part of this universal assembly, that's an invisible reality. And the local church makes the invisible visible, right? So it makes the invisible visible. But there's a couple of principles that we should get from that. Is that there, and so, we, first of all, let me not get ahead of myself. So we saw that, um, that that's made visible by the aspect of baptism and membership in the Lord's Supper. <coughs> and so we should see some principles that there should be a, a striving for unity. The, the, the striving for unity in the sense, sense of that it's what may, the, the, the local church represents, you know, in a visible fashion of what is true invisibly of the entire people of God. And yet that is not contradictory I can't spell contra. It does not contradict um, the, the, the local um, distinctions. Right? Local assemblies, local distinctions. The, the, the aspect of, because, that, because we see that the church is meant to this aspect. And that's where, where you know, we saw Matthew 16. That there is a marking off where that has to be made visible. Right, and so what is it that makes visible? Well, it's that it's that idea of what we call church membership, right? This idea of a people who not just gets together, not just has coffee together, has dinner together, assembles together, not even sing songs together, but is actually committed to one another in this formal commitment, in this covenant commitment to one another. That there's this Matthew 16. The description is this binding together in membership. Right, this binding to one another in Matthew 16, this loosing from one another in Matthew 18, and really what we see is that this striving for unity, maybe the best way to say it, it's not contra- it does not contradict. You should we should be able to say the next one is church autonomy. I know I spelled myself church. I'm sorry. 
not been feeling well this week. My, my, my brain's still a little fuzzy. So, but this idea that there's, that there's church autonomy and that that, that is a, a biblical idea that the local church is given the authority to bind and to loose and to conduct its own affairs. And so we see that, that really we're looking, you know, looking at that, that aspect. And then finally, we saw that it is who has the authority in the church. Well, we see two things. First of all, we see that we saw that from biblical theology, from God's very aspect of creation all the way through the way he's worked through history, that God has delegated his authority in, in raising up these priest kings from Adam all the way through people that follow the, the true priest king, Christ, is having authority for God's kingdom. And that, that we see that the church has filled that authority, that every member of the church is called to be, have an authority over the what of the gospel that we don't have a separate class of priests who are responsible, who they know the gospel, they guard the gospel, and we just assume that they know it right. That every member is called to, know, is, is to have authority over the what of the gospel. Every member, every per- part of the church is supposed to be able to know the gospel, proclaim the gospel, guard the gospel. That every Christian and every member of the church is supposed to, 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 to take care of the who of the gospel. They have responsible of the who of the gospel. It's not just a certain class of people who know who's part of the church and who should care for who's part of the church and who does one another's to that part of the church. We're all called for that. And so we see this, this, this Reformation principle of priesthood of all believers But we also saw that the fourth point, as we've been looking through the doctrine there, is that God has gifted his church with leadership in the offices of elders and deacons to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So there's one more point here. And that is there is designated church leadership, right? And that does not contradict the aspect that who has authority in the church? Well, every believer has authority in the church. And yet at the same time, God has has designated certain offices of leadership. There's two offices. We looked at elders and the idea of elders and pastors and overseers is a single title, or three different titles for a single office. <coughs> and the idea is that in, in the New Testament, that this leadership is a plural leadership. We saw, as we saw that there's a, a plurality of elders, of pastors, of overseers over each church. And that's, that's an office of leadership and authority based on the knowledge of, and the teaching and doctrine of God's word. And that authority is based on God's word to equip the saints for the work of the ministry that, that each believer is called to do. We saw, also saw that there are, are deacons. There's one office of deacons filled by both men and women. And then we saw that although every Christian is called to be a servant, that the office of this, there's this office of leadership of deacons yet to equip them to do that service. So the, this office of deacons, both of men and women deacons, are, are called to uh, lead in administrating to meet physical needs of the church, to, to care for the unity of the body, um, are, are, are those who would support the word ministry of the elders who, and, and, and who are leading the church, and as well as uh, to equip the saints for the work of service to do the serving they're called to do. That is... 10 minutes on nine months. That's, that's my brief overview. And, and here's why I did that. There, some of these principles that, just, that, that, that we are covering and spending weeks on covering the why, let's, let's flush these out and use those principles, not, not principles of one system. I, I would say that most of these principles would, would be Fairly, fairly agreed upon. There's some that I guess there's there's some that would disagree, but for the fairly agreed upon. And so, but then, does that actually flush out as we do church together? 
right? And so let's look at a couple of different models of church, and we're going to, using those biblical principles we've looked at, just evaluate them and saying, what, what is that? Why do they have this biblically? What are the problems biblically of, of, um, in, in these different models? So the first model is the Episcopal model. So the Episcopal model is the idea that there is an, an archbishop, there's an archbishop has authority over uh, a group of bishops. A bi- oh, come on. Spelling brain. Bishop. There we go. I might just put B next time. All right. So, but, so they're over the bishops. The, and the bishops are considered really the idea here, at least a lot of Episcopal doctrine that I've read, um, and I've read a lot, so I don't want to claim too much, is the idea that there's almost a continuance of apostolic authority, that there's really called to be some sort of unifying authority over the entire Christian church. Each bishop would oversee a diocese, uh, which also then would rep- which would be over a, a bunch of local churches, which would have a rector um, over these local congregations. So each, each church would have a, a, a rector over the congregations. Um, <clears throat> all, all these levels, you would say that the, the, the leadership at all these levels would be considered priests, but there are different levels of ordination. So they're all, they're all priests, but there are different levels, you could say, of authority that they're given in their ordination, uh, especially bishop. Um, in, in some, some uh, evaluation of doctrines, really saying that the, the bishops, in a sense, represent the church um, because they have all the authority in the church. And so... Um, this, so this model, obviously, the, 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 the most common in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, you also see it adapted. And there's some differences, but it's adapted in what you'd see in the Episcopal or Anglican Church. And you'd also see in, in similar form in the Methodist Church in, in this, sort of, this sort of model. So um, what, what biblical principles are trying to be promoted here? What's the idea? What are the things, um, the biblical support for such a model? I heard some, who's just, oh, what did you say? Unity. Unity, right? That's the strive, the striving for, is saying, listen, if we're going to be unified, we all have to be underneath some sort of, of organization to be unified. That, that's really the, the presupposition here. The presupposition is, if we're going to be unified in, in doctrine and unified in purpose, then, then we have to have some sort of unifying where there's, you know, some decision made and, and everyone's going to kind of fall in line, right? The question is, is that, is that really true biblical unity? That's 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 my that's where I would question that, right? Is it is there is there is there more unity in someone deciding something almost as the, the representation of Christ or the head of the, you know the the, the 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 earthly head of the church and everyone falls in line, or is there unity that is, is common brothers and sisters coming together for a common purpose? So the question of in that model that you just described would be more where does the authority come from, not necessarily the organization of God. Well, I, I'm trying to give the I'm trying to give the positives right. first, and then I, and I guess. Because um, that's kind of the way Moses did it. Yes, yes. People under him of thousands. Yeah. Whatever. And in fact, the, 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 um, the, the support that's given here, they would say, is that if you look to what we would have as documented of the early church model, if you look at. Um, what, 400, 500, 600 BC, or not BC, AD, um, if you're looking at the, what we have as close to documents, this is probably what we have. 
So if you want to look at early church, you would say that the, the that, that's their argument. Now, in fact, there's a, a wonderful book. If you want to know more about this, there's a, those Four Views books. There's a Four Views book. And, and basically, the person who wrote this said, no, we don't, we don't base this on Scripture at all. That's the argument. They said, this is not based on Scripture at all because Scripture doesn't tell you how to run the church. And so we're going to base it based on tradition and on history. And the best historical model is what we have here. And so that's what we think it should be modeled on. I mean, from their own arguments. Um, But the, um, let me see. Uh, A couple other, let me see. Um, so, So that's what you have here. I, I think here's the issues, right? There's a couple of different issues. First of all, I, I think that there's a leadership issue in the sense of biblically what they're doing is they're separating um, pastor and bishop and then making a new aspect of archbishop and, and, and treating these different titles of leadership in scripture as this hierarchy of leadership, which has no biblical evidence, right? The biblical evidence actually is contrary to that of where, where, where bishop or overseer and pastor and, and elder are actually the same office. So, so that's, that's the first issue there. Greg, I see it, this issue too is the congregation or the assembly itself at the bottom level yeah. doesn't have a gospel. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, in fact, that's, that's what... It's a top-down situation where you could say, like, we're a little more of a bottom-up. There's no priesthood of all believers. Right. In fact, that's the, and even that's what, what a lot is that the... the, 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 the um, the, the, the responsibility for doctrine, the responsibility for the, the who and the what of the gospel is located, really, it's, it, and from all reading, it's, it's in, in the bishops. And so, yeah. yeah. I know it doesn't mean much, but it's also the, the, the buildings, everything. Yeah. There's a pragmatic aspect, I'd, I'd say. And just a side note, it's not, it's not the, the, for years or for, for, for generations, there was an a- argument of, this sort of model, some sort of hierarchical model, will protect the church from heresy. And, and because if it, it's going to protect these, these people who don't know better down here, um, because the people up here are going to guard the church because they have all the responsibility. And the problem is, is what's been found, is that with most, with, with well... Because even 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 the, the the Presbyterians, which we'll look at later, have a higher model, had that issue, and then they they had to correct it with other denominations. They had to split in other denominations. Is that if this if this turns heretical, there's that the, affects everything, and, and and it just completely breaks apart. And that's what's been seen through through theirs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they don't I, even allow the members below the bishops to even own a Bible. Hmm. Because they don't feel they're qualified to read it or interpret. Hmm. And that comes somewhat through the also a little bit of Eastern Orthodoxy and Eastern Orthodoxy a little bit because the emphasis is not on God's revealed word, but your experience of, what's it called? Um, becoming one with God. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> but because of, because of the way that they structure, um, that the, the, there's actually a de-emphasis of scripture and doctrine and a, and a, a emphasis more on the experience of, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's this, this, this kind of participation in becoming one with God um, that, that there's, some, there's some issues that that's probably as well. So there's some doctrinal issues, but also um, there, there, there's, some, there's some structural issues. So, yeah, Bob. What you're saying about uh, particularly Episcopal Church of America, mm-hmm. the problem has been in the idea of we will protect ourselves from heresy at the higher up part that 
numbers actually that has where most of the time the heresy has been. Yeah. And I said, that's a practical issue, and, and it's a pragmatic, but I think it's flushed its way out. But I think that the, 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 the theological issue be, below that is that the responsibility biblically for the who and the what of the gospel. Who are those that are called to know the gospel, to guard the gospel? It, it, it is that the, the job is not saying that we've seen biblically is saying it's not that leadership has that. And that, that we just have to trust that the leadership has it. The leadership has it to, to equip every member. It's an every member ministry. Every, it's an every member ministry to know the gospel, to guard the gospel, to, to, um, to promote the gospel, right? That, that there's that, that, that idea that, that priesthood of all believers um, aspect of that. And so, yeah. Well, so it, it leads to trouble because who holds the archbishop accountable? Yeah. And who does he report to? Yeah. Other than... Who yeah. feels God, and so he's got no support in sense that who can I turn to? to yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a sinister of authority too, because we've always seen, we've all seen that model get corrupt and, and all that kind of stuff. Yet, uh, uh, depending on how much authority or in practice, and how much uh, and and how that model is put into practice has, how much authority does the Archbishop have? Does he have the, the authority of, like, the Pope? Mm-hmm. Or that they give the Pope saying, well, he's God's mouthpiece? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, not really. That's not what we read the Bible mm-hmm. is right now. Yeah, but I would even even say if you take something even like the Archbishop of Canterbury, you're saying that 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 what you are saying is is the Archbishop of Canterbury over and, and that and the bishops. You're still saying that the authority of the church and and the authority of the who and the what of the gospel, the authority of of who is 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 responsible for all those is is located here. And, and, and not, not with an, an every member aspect. And, and again, I would say, well, I, wouldn't, I don't know if the Archbishop of Canterbury, I don't know enough, but I would say that there are faithful brothers and sisters in the Anglican communion. Um, but I would say that, and as I, that, 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 that I would say, I would disagree on the way that they're putting biblical practice into the model. And, and to the very fact, and, and that Four Views book was very in, insightful for the, the person who wrote the, the view on this model saying, yeah, scripture. This isn't based on scripture because we think you know scripture has basically doesn't say so. We can kind of do what we want, and so it's based on tradition. And so, and I'd say, well, I think scripture does have these principles that's based on, and so, um, so I think that's that's the issue there. And so, it takes all responsibility away from the common people. Yeah, yeah. Who are I'm not who, doing what I'm supposed to? But it's not my fault. Yeah. It's theirs. Who not. is actually? Who the church is, right? And who are called to to to, to equip for the work of the ministry of the authority that they're given. Yeah. So they're basing their their salvation off of these people that are above them. Yeah, and unfortunately, in 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 the past, you can look at it's been it, that's been a detriment too. That if they're they're not equipping the people, they're not giving the gospel. There's, there's there's so much that's riding on that, and so. But sometimes it's done well, and sometimes it's not been done well. Yeah. 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 I mean, but if you look within, you know, within the, the Anglican communion, within the Methodist church, that wouldn't be the case. Um, but there's, there's still, there's still issues that have come from that, you know? Yeah. Uh, let's look, let's keep going. Let's look at the next model. The next model is the Presbyterian model. So this is where we would, um, 
this model, if you, if you read that, that uh, in the Four's view, Four Views book, I can't remember who does that, but this is the idea. This is, is trying to be built off more of, of certain principles from Scripture. So, um, so the, I, we see a, probably a little bit more in common here in this, this model. Um, so so the, the idea is that there you have the, each church, I'm going to put some C's there, each church would have a, a session of elders. I'm going to put E for elders. But each church would have a session of elders that they, most of them would elect. Um, and, um, and the pastor then is one of those elders. <coughs> These elders, you really should say maybe big E and little E, because they make a distinction between what are called teaching elders, which are ordained elders. So if you're an ordained in the Presbyterian church, you're considered a teaching elder, versus if you are not ordained in the Presbyterian church, you're called a ruling elder. So it's the difference between a teaching elder and a ruling elder in the, uh, in the Presbyterian church. Uh, and the session governs the church. Um, but according to, to one, one, one Presbyterian doctrine, the idea here is really the idea is the church is delegating their authority to the elders who represent them. That's really the, the idea that, that, that is there. Represent them to who? Huh? The, the elders... I don't, I don't know. That I, I, just, I just took the quote. But I would say the idea is that the authority for... Um, the authority, the authority for... Um, the who, the, uh, probably the best way to put it is who and the what of the gospel is delegated to, to the elders and so um, is the authority of the church. And so, again, there's different practices as you look. This is, this is would general. That, that would be somewhat similar in our, you said Big E, Little E, I and mean, I don't know, yeah. ruling and, and teaching. Because we have you yes. and the past, you know, our pastoral mm-hmm. staff, our elders. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we also have ruling elders who don't necessarily teach. True. A little bit. Um, I, I think there's some parallels. I think the closest is that, that but the problem is that because the issue, the difference is, is that you have to be ordained within the denomination. So the denomination ordain, you know, that there's a or, or, ordination. Well, so it depends. There are some churches. Big organizationally. There's organizationally. Now, now there is, you know, so for instance, some Presbyterian churches I know would say their lay elders cannot preach because they're not ordained, but like if if you know Pastor Bob went to go, they asked Pastor Bob to preach at their church. He could preach because he was ordained at a different denomination. So I guess it's not just with that denomination, but there is a separation of that where the the, the teaching and the preaching is is just given to only the big E elders, um, as you could say, It's to those that are, are teaching elders and not ruling elders. Not always. Again, this is not fleshed out, but in, in general general practice. And, and so, get more of a, one gets more votes no, okay. no, no. And then you look at the, the, these elders. Uh, da, 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 where I lost my notes here. Um, so the elders then, uh, this, the elders that are in session are part of the, the larger presbytery, which oversees the, the, the local region of churches. And the presbytery um, would then uh, come together as part of the general assembly to decide the, um, the, the direction of the church, the doctrine of the church, the, the statement of faith of the church, and, and, and so forth. And even um, some of that directed of the, 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 the pastor, you know, who the pastor is of the church and, and, and such in those ways. And so, um, so what do you see here that are, are, what are the biblical principles we see that are applied? Really, you know, really good application of biblical principles. There is. 
There, well, there's, there's representation. Flesh that out what you mean first before I jump off. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not the coming down. It's, it is, yes. Up. Yes. There is there is less of that, right? There's less of that in the sense of there is, you know, that the, the church does, um, the church does, you know, um, elect the elders, right? That there is a, a church participation um, that, 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 and, that, and there's representation in that way. That's true. Uh, another thing I think you see is plurality of elders. I mean, this is, what you see, one of the things that, that um, well, if you look at, Presby- where does Presbyterianism really find its foundations in John Calvin, right? And Calvin, um, some, some modern-day Presbyterian churches would want nothing to do with John Calvin, and yet that's where they find their heart. And, and John Calvin, one of the things he really, really not rediscovered, not discovered, but really rediscovered or, you know, really redeveloped from Scripture was this idea of a plurality of elders. Um, and so we, 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 I think that that is, is seen within the, the Presbyterian church, and you've seen that that has, I, I would say probably is, I don't want to say, there, there has been a, there also has been a, might always been a minority of, of congregational churches that has a plurality of elders, but the Presbyterians have, have been uh, doing it more faithfully for for, uh, for for much longer. So you see that uh, as a, a a great biblical practice. In fact, Alexander Strout, who kind of wrote one of the, the books on eldership, is is the Presbyterian because they they, they do it well. Um, um, and so so those are some of the, the biblical. You know, we see that they're trying to incorporate some of these biblical principles. Um, I, I think there's a couple issues and, 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 and um, criticisms that I would have. Um, uh, you know, or I, let me ask you first: what are, the, what are, the, what are, based on our principles, what do we see that's not applied as, so well in that, in that sort of model? Church autonomy. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a big one, right? Is it that there is this idea of, and that's the different, that's a huge distinction is. Is the autonomy of the local church, and, and and really what you see is that in the New Testament, I think there's the picture of yes, certainly churches cooperating with one another, but the idea of of elders serving a role not just as an elder of our church, but an elder of multiple churches or an elder over in the entire church body in some sort of way to make doctrinal decisions over the entire church body uh, of multiple churches. I think that 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 goes much much beyond biblical evidence, uh, and I, I think contrary to that that picture of of there are responsibility um, and authority of each uh, each church to go to, to, to in, that, in that type of governance and so yeah yeah it almost seems like there's elders of elders and if you look at that in a positive way uh we have more accountability mm-hmm. if everybody is indeed following if there's an accountability for the accountability of service uh, you know yeah if, if we're all we're meeting faithful to the word well, yeah, yeah. I'd say I'd say pragmatically, yeah. I'd say pragmatically, yes. But biblically, it comes down to the, the aspect of there's one office of the church, you know, or two. Or there's well, there's there, there's uh, there's two offices of the church of elders and deacons, and 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 the the accountability doesn't come biblically from a hierarchy of structure, but from a a a, a unit from a a um, equality among elders and the aspect of. The, the, so we don't see this aspect. The only way, again, if you get this, is some sort of, that there's some sort of higher elders or some sort of almost apostolic authority that, that's overseeing these sort of things, right? 
And that's what I'm saying. In the New Testament, we don't see elders with authority outside of the local church that they are called to shepherd. That's where our authority rests. My authority as an elder is, is not based on that I've been given authority you know, by God to, to be some, some leader in the, the, the universal church. My authority is a shepherd based on my ability to, to know and teach the word of God to my people. So- I know I wouldn't I wouldn't at all but I would say that that there, if you start looking at those structures that that if we would say that the that the gift of apostleship and even not all Pentecostals but even a lot of Pentecostals would say that that, that the apostles are that there's a distinct group right and they're, and they're dead and they're gone so there's a different authority that, that is now and so when the apostles died that that authority was given to the local church and, and particularly to, to the leadership in the local church and so yeah Yeah. You know, he's their Presbyterian, he's Orthodox Presbyterian. He says, uh, well, he's a very, very good in the General Assembly every three years that they have it. Mm-hmm. He's a very good, faithful witness in that General Assembly. So mm-hmm. when there is, well, so when they're going to make a statement, what are we going to say about homosexuality? He's like, mm-hmm. I'm on it. <coughs> so he's yeah. Gonna, you know, hold them true to the yeah. word of God. Yeah. That's the way it yeah. should work. And I'm thankful for our brothers and sisters there. What I would say is that the idea of. The idea of a, a it, I think that, that, that the idea of having some sort of general assembly that, that decides not, um, you know, of, of, of some sort of, okay, well, here's what, to be able to associate, here's what, here's what you're agreeing to. But we are making the decisions for every church underneath us as some sort of authoritative body. I think that that's beyond, beyond biblical evidence. Again, I, 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 I think that that is, I, I, there are, there is, I don't think that they're anti-biblical. I don't think that they're heretics. I would say that there's a structure there that you're stretching beyond what the Bible is saying. Um, and that's why I, I, I just don't think it is the most faithful model to, to, to the biblical evidences that we have. And so... And it's, it's nice to see that some of those churches, little seeds down there, have said, uh, yeah, we're not doing that. We yeah. Right yeah. So it's nice yeah. to see that the people are still... And unfortunately, but what happens there is because, and this, again, this is not biblical, but this is pragmatic, and it also comes the idea of when there is a, but I think the pragmatism also comes from the idea of if there's a higher authority that really that your church is beyond that local church is saying, some of the churches, they can't do that, right? They can't just say, we disagree and we want to associate somewhere else. Sometimes the presbytery says, no, you can't. And we'll take your church. We'll take your church. I know one church, I think they had to pay I was reading the other day like $100,000 or something um, to say basically if you leave, you have to pay for us to plant a new church in your area or we're not going to let you leave. We're not going to let you take the building. We're not going to let you take the everything else. And so, and, and, and so, huh? How much? Fifteen million. So I, I mean, so you're looking at so so you're looking and, and, and there's some pragmatic issues with that. But it, it, the pragmatics come from a view of that there's some sort of authority outside above the local church. And I'd say that is that actually is a biblical issue. And so yeah. And uh, I grew up PCUSA. I said the General Assembly. Um, General different. Assembly. I'd say the General Assembly is probably for the two yeah. those two Presbyterians uh, look very differently. To be, to be honest with you, and 
somewhat decide on biblical issues. It's basically committees that get together and then they hand it down and your church better agree with it or else if you leave, like you said, the Presbytery owns your land, it owns your building, it owns yeah. this. Even though your congregation may have paid for it, they own it. Yeah. So, so I think that, that so that, so again, faithful brothers and sisters, I am thankful. I, I have been personally influenced by, by some really faithful uh, Presbyterian brothers and sisters. I, I think that, that they are, there's a stretch to defend the idea of this authority outside of the local church. Um, that, that, that things beyond scripture. Um, and, 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 and what is tried is, I think that the best evidence, again, if you read that Four Views book, is this idea of this Acts, of looking at the Jerusalem Council of Acts 15, and that the Jerusalem Council is making decisions for all the churches, and I just don't see the evidence there. I don't see the evidence that the Jerusalem Council is some sort of, of, of decision-making body, because you see that Paul and Galatia, Galatians even saying that if they disagreed, that, well, that, that's fine, but we're doing, then, then we're, we're, we're you know, they, they, they don't get to decide the gospel for us and for me and for my ministry. And so, yeah. We're going to see this right now in uh, PCUSA. Uh, there's been a major, major, major change in the last five to ten years. And it's called the Order of Confessing Evangelicals. Hmm. Here we call it the loyal opposition. Hmm. There's some faithful churches that are trying, yeah. Huge numbers of PCUSA churches that have left the denomination. Yeah. yeah. In Santa Barbara, Presbytery, there's one church left. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you guessed it. Yeah, but it's tough. I mean, and, and, and there's, there's some battles that come because, again, of that authority beyond the local church. All right. Uh, how are we doing? We're doing okay. Let's, let's do, I want you to look at, uh, okay. The last model is the, the congregational model. Congregational model. There are two types of congregational models, I think, that I want to cover real quick. <laughs> that, that Wayne Grudem, I'm taking a lot of this from Wayne Grudem and Millard Erickson. I think that they've, uh, they do a lot there. But um, so the... One of the traditional congregational model is, is what, what Grudem calls the single pastor model, where you have the single pastor, and then you have a bunch of deacons, and then you have the congregation. And the congregation nominates the deacons, the pastor. It's very, very popular in a lot of Baptistic churches. Um, and, and so I'm just going to speed things up. I'm just going to just cover some, some, some positives and some, some critiques. Um, so positives is, um, let me see. So... Uh, where am I going? Where's my notes? Um, okay, actually, let me give let me give the defense of this from from uh, I think it's Strong who's, who wrote a Baptistic theology. So his defense was he would agree that in the New Testament there is an example of plurality of eldership. He said, but it's a good principle, right? Description does not mandate prescription. He would say just because it's described as a plurality of elder does not mean that we are prescribed for a plurality of elder. So that's a, that's a point we'll have to look at. Second of all, he would say that James is the head of the church in Jerusalem, so that there should be a single head of the church. Uh, his example is that, um, that, that in Revelation that there are these angels of each church would represent a pastor of each church. Um, and also uh, he would say that the grammar in 1 Timothy and Titus would say that when it says a, a bishop or a overseer or a elder should be, it's saying, see, it's only talking about a single, uh, single person here. Um, and then, and, and, and so here's the critiques of those. The critiques is, um, uh, first of all, um, does that description versus prescription? Well, it's true. If we only had acts as plural elders, I would say he's completely right. The problem is we don't only have acts. 
the, the, the same churches that would use First Timothy and Titus to talk about a, uh, uh, the qualifications of the pastor deny the passages like First Timothy 5 and Titus 1 who also talk about multi, uh, a multitude of elders. And so it's not just acts in the description of plural elders in the church. We also see in the very documents that talk about qualification for elders also talk about a, a plurality of elders in, in First Timothy 5 and Titus 1. Um, in, 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 in the Jerusalem church, James seemed to have some sort of authority there, but there clearly seems to be a plurality of elders in Acts 15. It, it's, it talks about James and the elders. Um, uh, Timothy and Titus, uh, it does say a elder or a overseer should, but that, that article in Greek can also mean a generic qualification of anyone who has that office. Um, angels in Revelation, uh, there's multiple, who are the angel of the church of Smyrna, the angel of the church of Laodicea, the a- angel of the church of Ephesus? There, there's a, a plurality of, 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 of interpretations, and it's, I, I personally would not bank my doctrine off of all of that. Um, and, and, and I think the, the, the biggest problem is that, is that these and most of these churches end up becoming that. And so, except without, without the proper uh, qualifications and teaching and all that comes with it. So there's really a confusion uh, in that aspect. And so, um, uh, okay. And then the last model here, we'd say, is the, the, um, the, plural, the plural elder model where you'd have multiple elders and multiple deacons elected and, and brought forth from the congregation, right? Multiple elders, multiple deacons that are brought up from the congregation. Um, and, and I think that this is, um, I, I think that this is, this is the model that, that, that our church holds, is the model that a lot of free churches hold. Um, and, and I would say that, 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 that in one addition, if we say that this is, you know, a autonomous church, that they're making their own decisions on leadership, they're making their own decisions on doctrine, but, but they hold associations, voluntary associations with other churches to, to do these greater works, right? And so, um, so the local congregation is the seat of authority, is the seat of autonomy, is the seat of self-government. Those churches may associate with other churches for greater purposes when it comes to missions, when it comes to kingdom purposes, but each church is voluntarily associated with that. It's not a hierarchy of structure. It's an association of structure. So when they get together, they may, they may agree to commonly do things together, but it's a voluntary association. <laughs> um, also, we see that in here in this, set, the, the, in this sort of model, it's important that there's an every member authority, every member authority of the, the, the leadership, the every member authority of the who and the what of the gospel um, is being equipped uh, in that way. Okay. Yeah. There's also a risk in that, too. If mm-hmm. every member isn't truly walking with God yeah. and a priesthood yeah. uh, in God's word, yeah. that could go astray. You're right. And I, I've seen that happen. Yeah. I, I would say that there are, are pragmatic concerns everywhere, but I would say that, that, that the application of Matthew 18, right, is, is best done on this, this local level, right, on this level within, within the local church is they're equipped for ministry. And, and more than that, that Matthew 18 is applied more than just by a single pastor or, or by, 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 some, by, by the board, but by, by every member. Right, it's not just a, 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 a administrative change, but it's a, a fellowship change um, if, if that if that's happening. And so, yeah. Um, and, and you know, there's there's I, I would say there's challenges to this, but I say they're mostly pragmatic. It's hard. Why why you know why why is this model maybe not done as much you know in certain times in the last hundred years? Because it's hard. It's hard to train a plurality of elders. It's much easier to have one guy. 
right? And, and you see successful, I mean, Charles Spurgeon was one guy, right? And, and you get it, one guy that is, is charismatic enough and you build around that one charismatic personality, it seems like an easier model. It's harder to build a plurality of elders. Um, it's hard to, to, to equip the congregation. It's much easier to say, we're going to make all the decisions for everybody. It's hard to equip the congregation. Right. And I, I think yeah. the value of the last one is in a, in a very small congregation. Yeah. Yeah. People, and that gives you the ability to do that. Yeah. That you don't have to have this yep. structure because that doesn't fit in the church. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you had everybody going to church as an elder. Yep. No, I think, and I think that bylaws t- tend to require a certain amount of elders or a certain amount of ratio of elders. I think that, again, you're going beyond biblical evidence. And I think that any of these models are, have temptations to go beyond biblical evidence. And I, I think that, that uh, what, what I'm trying to do is saying, instead of just saying, well, here's what we are at OEFC. I'm trying to give a defense of why we are what we are, right? And, and, and from the biblical foundations of the, these biblical principles of, of how we, we work, that way, work, work, work that way out. And so um, a couple of things, and then I want to do some takeaways and we'll, we'll go. First of all, there's a couple other models. I'm not going to cover them. I mean, there's the idea of the corporate board model that's built on, on more uh, business model, which obviously is not biblical. There's the no governments model of a lot of uh, uh, Quaker churches and Plymouth Brethren churches who say, you know, there are no models from Scripture. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead us. Um, that the same Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible did give certain directions. And so um, I, let's listen to the Holy Spirit as he's inspired the Bible. Uh, let's give some takeaways. Um, I started the whole unit on, on the idea of the church with these questions. I asked, what is the church supposed to do? What is the church supposed to believe? What are we supposed to do when we gather as a church? How should we make decisions in the church? How should, who should have the authority to make decisions in the church? I said, how do we get those answers? And we said that the word of God is sufficient to determine what is the church, what the church is for, and what the church should do. And, and I would say, within the, even disagreements here are... are, are our, our discussion should be rooted in what does the word of God say? There are pragmatic discussions and what would work better here and what would work better there, but we need to first ground it in what does the word of God say, right? And that's what we really want to, to do more and more, that God has sufficiently uh, answered that, you know, answered that in his word. And so, and, and even within what I think that in our church believes is the best model of governance, we can still go beyond biblical evidence as we try to do that. And we want to continue to rein ourselves in and be corrected by God's design for his church as we see in scripture. Um, and a couple last applications. One, um, it's important to preserve the autonomy of the church. It, it, is, it, is, it is important that, that, that as we would, see, um, we would see that. I think that there's, there's, there's lessons from, from what's going on in the world and, that, that, and as well as is, is just biblically that we take responsibility for our church. Um, at the same point, that, that I think that, that we see, and, and I probably didn't talk enough, that, there's this, that, that, that some of these models... There's a, a picture that they pull from is saying that there's, there's no Lone Ranger Christians in the New Testament and there's no Lone Ranger churches in the New Testament. Churches cared for other churches. Churches, churches supported other churches. Churches were involved for, for greater kingdom ministry and missions and others with other churches. And so the aspect of that the, the there's no Lone Ranger Christians, there's also no Lone, no Lone Ranger churches in the New Testament. They're, 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 they're interconnected, I would say not in a hierarchical way, but in a caring way, in a loving way, in an associative way. And there's certain things that our church can't do. Who's going to reach the Hmong community in the Central Valley? Our church is, does not have the capability to do that, right? But are there churches that we're able to associate with, we're able to support, we're able to, to come, come along with and, and encourage that can do some of those uh, greater ministries that are need to be done? 
and obviously um, beyond that as well, uh, that there's an importance of the priesthood of all believers, that we don't want to give into this idea of that the pastors, the elders, that they're going to do the work of the ministry, that the job of pastors and elders, the job of deacons is to equip every member. Every member is responsible for the work of the ministry. And, and yet we're thankful for the biblical leadership that God does use to equip the, the, the church. And so we want to pray for our leadership. We want to support the leadership, encourage the leadership as gifts from God. And so we want to we want to praise God for his church and how he, and how he structured that. Any, any final questions? And then we'll, we'll head into service. Questions? If you, have, if you have any questions on the aspect of eschatology, uh, we're going to start, and I'll try to start next Sunday school of just any questions you have, just if we're not kind of hitting those topics, um, to kind of hit, make sure we hit those. Uh, and, and personal eschatology, of talking about heaven and hell, as well as uh, as, aspects of en- eschatology as far as end times. Okay. So, any other questions, thoughts, comments before we break? All right, let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you. And Lord, there's just, just much to think about. And we thank you that, that we can, we can, and that, that you would desire us to think about, Lord, that you, there, are, there are secret things that, that, that you have not revealed to us, but there are things that you have revealed that belong to us, that we are responsible for, that the, the Holy Spirit that we would desire to guide and to lead our lives has is, is revealed truth about your church, which would bring about glory, the most glory for you, and bring about the most good for your people. So we pray for wisdom, how to do that. We, we recognize, Lord, that, that, that even within how we are striving to do it biblically, Lord, we are tem- tempted to over-interpret or under-interpret your scripture. And so we pray for, for wisdom and guidance and, and how to do that, not just for the elders here, Lord, but for every member as we would study your word and that we would seek to do that rightly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.